This is your Thursday Daily Delivery. I am Michael Rand. We're going to have a lot of things to get to today. Chip Scoggins, Star Tribune columnist, will join me in just a little bit here to talk through the Kirill Kaprizov situation. He has a column, Star Tribune, startribune.com, about that, his thoughts on why, you know, how we got here with, with Kaprizov, how he thinks most of this is just posturing and not to worry, but also... You know um, how this has been far from ideal as the Wild tries to get its best player uh, signed long term. I'll run through a bunch of your questions as well. We haven't done a listener kind of mailbag for a long time. I wanted to get to that. You guys had a lot of good questions for me on a lot of different things. So let's get to those as well. But first, what did I miss? Let's talk about Teddy Bridgewater for a few minutes here because, you know, anytime... Anytime Teddy's around in, in the Vikings kind of space, and it's been, you know, a few times already since he left here after the 2017 season, it, it, it it's just natural to think about the past and that fateful day in training camp in 2016 where he tore knee ligaments, had, you know, very, you know, close potentially to, have to having to have his leg amputated because of such a severe, you know, non-contact training camp injury. Um, now, Teddy, of course, with the Broncos battling Drew Locke for that starting job and the Broncos having joint practices with the Vikings late this week before they play um, on Saturday in the first preseason game for the Vikings at U.S. Bank Stadium. So, you know, Teddy obviously garners a lot of emotions here still. Um, and a lot of people, you know, naturally wonder kind of the the what if of it, even if it gets even as it gets further out there's still kind of this what-if element of what if that day had never happened. And we're almost five years removed from that, by the way. Uh, it was late August of 2016 when that injury happened. Obviously missed the whole 2016 season, started a chain of events that have been talked about, obviously, many times, but it's just it's fresh once again. And if you think I'm the only one or you're the only one who still thinks about that, um, even Teddy thinks about that. He was he was interviewed on uh, on Wednesday by members of um, you know both the the Vikings and Broncos press were over there at uh, at TCO Performance Center in Egan. And here is kind of Teddy's perspective on you know kind of what's happened since that day. I found myself thinking about it more lately than I have in the past. Um, just about you know the day I was injured and, and up until this point. Um, because I, I use it as motivation now, you know what I mean? Before I used to brush it off like, man, it happens, keep going. But now it's just like, man, you know, here I am where I could have been counted out and I almost had to get my leg amputated and things like that. And it's like, man, nah, when I wake up in the morning, I'm blessed. You know, I get an opportunity to put my feet on the ground and go out here and play football, you know, the game that I love to play. So I have so much fun playing this game now, more fun than I've ever had, you know, the more that I think about what I went through here. That's a great answer, and you know, I, I listened to the whole news conference that he gave. Seems like he's in a good headspace right now. Nothing he hasn't ever been in a good headspace. You know, positivity is definitely a hallmark of his um, his his makeup. But uh, just just listening to him, he sounded like a very confident, you know, mature person. You know, again, not new for him. Just just detected something a little different, maybe because he's a relatively new dad. Um, maybe it's just the, the the wisdom of experience and having gone through a lot of things. But, you know, it, it, I enjoyed listening to him, and I always have enjoyed listening to him. 
Um, but I want to get to just a little bit is just 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 the what if three questions I still have um, about that day. One, would Kirk Cousins be here right now if Teddy Bridgewater had not been injured? I think the answer to that is a pretty likely no, just based on how much Mike Zimmer loved Teddy Bridgewater and still loves Teddy Bridgewater, and just kind of the watching how the contract he had would have lined up with Kirk Cousins' free agency. I mean, Teddy Bridgewater was a rookie in 2014. He was a first-round pick, the last pick of that first round, which means the Vikings had a fifth-year option on him. So you're looking at you know, 2014, 15, 16, 17, and then you know 18 would have been that uh, that fifth-year option or the time you're st- and the time you're starting to talk about a possible extension. And obviously 2018 was when Kirk Cousins signed. So let's just assume that Teddy Bridgewater had a you know a reasonably good 2016 season if he doesn't get hurt. Same thing going into 2017. I can't imagine how the Vikings would have moved on from that at that point, given how they felt about him. So they wouldn't have gone into the 2018 offseason, you know, looking for a quarterback. They would have had their quarterback of the future. Question number two is a little trickier. Um, would Teddy still be here? And that's that that gets into the question of how much would he have grown? How much, you know, obviously since since the injury, he's worked his way back. He was a starter for Carolina, but otherwise he's kind of competed for jobs. Would he have continued on a promising career arc? You know, when you saw him in 2015, they went to the Vikings went to the playoffs. They were 11 and five that season, won the division. Bridgewater's numbers were fairly pedestrian, but you know he was the kind of quote unquote consummate game manager and could have seen his game get even better. Was looking good early in that preseason by all accounts. So would he have still been with the Vikings on a much more you know obviously expensive extension by that point? I don't know about that. That's that's probably, I would say, just given how much they love Teddy Bridgewater, but he would have had a lot, at least a a decent amount to show in 2016 and again in 2017 to prove that he was the long-term solution. That's the one we'll never really know. We'll we'll just never know what he might have become if he hadn't missed so much development time, if he hadn't had to spend so much time rehabilitating and whatever the injury has taken away from his mobility and just his ability on the field we'll never know that last one what's the defensive spending impact and that's that's a that's a good question because you know immediately they trade for Sam Bradford you know they have to they have to pay Bradford in 2016 you start this slippery slope of you know what's the effect on the cap same thing in 2017 then they move on from Bradford and Bridgewater and Case Keenum and spend a lot of money on Kirk Cousins and that takes money away from the defense. You don't have a 2017 first-round draft pick. That maybe could have been a defensive player who was on a reasonable contract for a while as well. So if you're thinking about defensive slippage that happened, you know, was starting to happen a little bit in 2019 and came to the forefront in 2020, um, you know, having to spend more on quarterbacks, especially kind of in that window where they were primed to win, you know, 2016, 2017, 2018, um, you know, that was pretty detrimental to their bottom line. And you do wonder how much more they might have been able to do in those years, in particular, with a healthy and lower cost quarterback like Teddy Bridgewater. So again, hard to relitigate the past. It's it's a it's a tough question. The the bottom line is you gotta be happy for Teddy Bridgewater that he's on the field, that he sounds so happy to play, and I'll be excited to see him play, even if it's just the preseason on Saturday.
I'm Chris Hine, Timberwolves beat writer at the Star Tribune and the first five-time guest in daily delivery history. Thank you for listening to this podcast. This work is made possible by our Star Tribune subscribers. For unlimited access to the articles mentioned in this podcast, our coverage of Minnesota sports from pros to preps, and even all of Rand's future blog posts about how the Timberwolves should trade for players they will never get, go to startribune.com slash subscribe. Going to bring in Chip Scoggins now. Chip does a great job covering all sorts of things for the Star Tribune as one of our columnists and uh, has a column in Thursday's paper about Kirill Kaprizov. Chip Scoggins, how are you doing today? I am doing great, Michael. How are you? Good. Good to have you back on the show. You have a column in Thursday's newspaper and on startribune.com, kind of giving your thoughts on the Kirill Kaprizov negotiations, um, as, as it were. And it's been, a, it's been a little bit more tense, I think, than people might have wanted it to be. You'd love, uh, love this to have been resolved, you know, six weeks ago. Um, but here we are. It's April. I'm sorry. Here we are. It's August 12th. Mm-hmm. Um, and nothing is Nothing is settled yet, and in fact, there was the report earlier this week that he's got this ten million dollar offer to play in Russia. What? What? Let's just kind of from the from the jump. What do you? What? What's your overall sense of 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 all this and the negotiations and even behind the scenes? Well, I will say, when has anything ever gone smoothly with Kirill Kaprizov and contract related and status related? So we shouldn't be surprised. Um, this feels like. Negotiating one on one with, I guess we could call him a budding superstar or superstar to make it. That's what I call. I've called him a budding superstar a couple times. Yeah, I think it's, you don't want yeah. to like jump the gun, but that one year was awfully good. Yeah, yeah. He's not, you know, he's not Crosby. You know, he's not one of the top three players, but he, he's a star. And this is just what you have to go through. I mean, this we're talking about the most talented and most entertaining player they've had in their history. And he knows that his agent knows that. And so I don't think it would be realistic to think this would be smooth sailing. Um, Do I think he's going to go play in Russia? No, I think that's a total bluff. As we were talking before we got on here at the core, professional athletes are competitors and competitors want to test themselves against the best competition. The NHL is the best, hockey league in the world. And we saw from last year from Kaprizov that he's a pretty hard nosed competitor and, yes. you know, loves facing the best players. So you're telling me he's going to go play junior varsity now because he's mad. Cause he didn't get what he wanted entirely. I would say at minimum, Michael, right. At minimum, he's probably looking at from the wild at 35 million guaranteed. And I, I say that for, let's say he gets, or 36, let's say he gets four years. Let's, let's say they settle on four years for $9 million. Okay. Yeah. That's probably the worst he's going to do, right, at this point? Because I don't think Billy Guerin's going to budge on the three. He's oh, not, you, can't do, you can't do three. That's, you that's, can't do that's that. Too much yeah. of, that's, that's basically giving him everything he wants. That means you have no leverage, which is not uh, impossible. Now, if I'm Caprizov's camp, there's no way in heck I would take an eight-year deal. Why would why would you do that when you could, you might be a superstar in four years and one of the best players in the league and you could get a gigantic bite of the apple then. So 
they're going to meet in the middle. It's going to be four or five years. Let's say nine years, 36 million. Are you really going to, you know, risk? Are you going to go play in an inferior league? One, are you going to risk potentially getting a serious injury? And if he goes plays in, in Russia for one year, the wild still has his contract rights. So you're just for two more years after that. For two more years, he doesn't come uh, unrestricted free agent until what twenty twenty four that summer. So, um, so I think this is it, it's not enjoyable, and and I know fans. As I wrote in my column, we have MSA Minnesota sports anxiety. Anytime yes. something like this comes up, um, people assume the worst, and we just think everything's going to fall apart. You know. Ideally, it wouldn't be this difficult and this complicated, but it is, and I, I don't think we should be surprised, but I also don't think you're going to see the nuclear option where they have to trade him or he winds up playing in Russia for three years. How, how do you, why, why couldn't this be easy? You think it's is it just representation? Is it just that both sides have a certain amount of leverage here and deals are getting structured differently in the NHL? like these guys don't want the eight-year contracts anymore because they've figured out that, Hey, if we can get the shorter term and the same amount of you know money per year, then we hit free agency again in our prime instead of you know in our early thirties, essentially. Yeah, I think it's because it, well, uh, a number of factors. One, I think his his camp knows. Holy cow! Look what the, the year he had. If he had an average year, it would be easy because they wouldn't have the leverage. He won the Calder. Yeah, you know he's the best rookie. He's their best player. Everybody knows he's the best player they've ever had. I mean. Um, just look at the production he put up. And so I'm sure his side's saying, wait a second here. That, you know, that adds a, another zero to the, you know? And so, and they're looking at it as because of his age. I mean, this is not a 21 year old kid or a 19 year old. Right. I mean, he's, he wants to get that next big contract when he's in his prime, not when he's 34 you know, and so they, they look at it as, hey, if you can get a shorter deal and you have you stack up a couple of really good years, you're the market for you is going to be through the roof. And so they're they're holding up that ground. And, you know, from the Wilds perspective. A couple things. One, he's your best player. And so you're building everything around him and you would love to have him long term and start and finish his career, I would think, if. Um, so yeah, lock him up to long-term so he doesn't get the free unrestricted free agency and you have to give him a massive contract there. And then the other thing is too, as great as he was, Michael, he only played 55 games, Yeah, he had 55 games of NHL experience. And so I think we can all see it and say, Hey, yeah, he's special, but it's still a pretty small resume. And it's not like he dominated the playoffs either. Um, he had a couple nice moments and I thought he did okay. He didn't score, but I thought he, you know, at, at the clip that we thought, but um, it's not like he was their best player in the playoffs, I don't think. And so they're probably saying, hey, let's see it a little more before we, you know, we're willing to do that. And so I, I think that's why it's complicated because it's because of the year he had. And then also, um, you know, just the way contracts are being structured now. If, if I was a player in his position, there is no way I'd want. Some would say, yeah, I want the long if you're an average player, you probably say, yeah, I want the long-term security. Give me that eight-year contract because I know this is what I'm getting. But if you're a player that you feel like, hey, I could be a top-five player in three years in this league, I want another bite at that apple when I'm a top-five player, <laughs> to be honest with you. 
Now, what's the best case scenario you think for the Wild? A five-year deal? Is that about as much as you think they're going to get? Yeah, I don't think I, I really don't think he it'd go beyond that. Um, and if if Billy Garrett's being realistic, they probably have to think four to five is going to be the sweet spot for them. And that's you know that would take him to what age? Thirty? Was he twenty five now? He's twenty four now. So be, yeah, he turns twenty five I think in April. So you know he's so yeah, it's taking close to thirty. And then you reevaluate, see where you're at. Um, so I think I think four or five years uh, definitely would not get to do the three year deal. You know, no. I think that's too short a time frame that you would risk losing him. So I think you know four or five is probably where they're landing. If you're the Wild, if you could get five, that would probably be ideal for you. You know what you're looking for. And then I would say in that nine to ten million dollar range per year, I think that's probably what you're going to have to pay for him. Now. Hardly ideal that, you know, assuming this happens and it is in the four to five year range that a lot of those years are going to overlap with the, the heavy suitor Parisi buyout years. And it's going to be hard to build a, a team around him when you've got, you know, 12, 14, 15 million in, in dead cap charges some of those years. Well, and that's the thing. I mean, I understand what Garen was doing, but he definitely made life more difficult with him, particularly the suitor one. Um, they almost, but you can't cut corners with your best player and your superstar. I mean, that's not where you get it from. You get it on somewhere else. And they almost, or they not almost, they f- are forcing themselves to really develop their young players and have to rely on, on, I don't want to call it cheap labor, but guys on their, Entry level, entry con- level, yeah, Restri- yeah. early restricted free agency too, and they're correct, not, yeah, you know, making so, as much. Rossi, Boldy, all these young guys that are coming through um, the system, they're going to have to contribute in a big way, and maybe, maybe a year or two uh, quicker than they probably would like or expected. But when you made those decisions and with 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 the buyouts, and you said we're willing to take on that dead money and eat up the cap space that narrows your opportunities to go out and plug holes or fill uh, gaps in your roster with veterans and established players. It's going to have to come from young guys. And, and maybe, you know, it, all the reports are high on these young guys and maybe some of them will, but it's, it, it definitely reduces your margin of error in terms of being able to fix problems. You and I are of the same mind that this gets done. I think we're in agreement about the approximate term and money. Um, what my next question presupposes though, Chip is what if it doesn't, what if it doesn't work out? What's, what's the, well, how how Minnesota, unfortunately, would it be if this blows up and he does play in Russia next year, if, if this becomes untenable and they feel like they have to either trade him or it becomes this thing that festers. Well, I would slow play it before I would trade him. I will say that, um, I would not trade him because that that is the absolute worst case scenario to me. Um, now you could say, well, you'd be getting something back and and, and pieces, but I, I would slow play it. And if he did go play in Russia, which I don't think he would, at least buys you some time to to figure out how to fix it in the in the subsequent years. You know, um, is he really going to go play? I don't. I don't think so. I'm just saying for for three years. Probably not, but like, well, it it would be a very bad 
very bad day. Uh, I mean, it would be, I can't even imagine both on the ice and selling tickets in optics about being able to get things done. It would be a very, a very bad strike for Bill Guerin's regime. Um, because I don't say he's the, the, you know, the only thing you're building around, but he's the centerpiece to this. Absolutely. To this vision and plan that they're doing. And so if you take that away, even for a year, um, what are you doing? <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, is, is there, I, is there one player more important in this whole market right now than him? Uh, of any sports? Yeah. Team? Hi, Towns, maybe, or I'd say I'd say Carl Anthony Towns. It, it'd be the same way where if you, if they got to, you know, if it was if Towns did what we see in the NBA and said, "I'm tired of losing, I want to go somewhere else," you're basically taking that blueprint and ripping it up and starting over. And that's what this would would be too. So uh, I would not trade Kaprizov. You know, even if you feel like you're, you know, beating your head against the wall and you're getting nowhere. Um, I would not turn to that option because and then then what are you doing? You know, yeah. so that's let's not go down that path. I Michael. don't think it's going to happen. I just say <laughs> I, I got to I got to you got to cover all of our bases here. Um, that's right. La- last thing for you and good, good column. Read Chip's column on Star Tribune, Star Tribune dot com. Um, you're going to be at Vikings this weekend. The first preseason game i feel like that snuck up on me a little bit because we had so much off-field stuff at the beginning of camp with the covid um you know the vaccine story um i can now fully divert my attention to worries about the offensive line um because yeah, that's, yeah. that's still a, that's still a problem isn't it yeah and I, I you know i don't know how many of the starters are going to play if they play much at all I, I i wouldn't be surprised if a lot of them don't dress but um for all the talk on draft night and in the draft aftermath about, oh, they fixed the offensive line. They repaired it. It's I didn't buy it for a minute, but Michael, it could be worse. Yes, it could be. It could be worse. Riley Reef was their second best offensive lineman last year. They got rid of him. Or, um, or it might have been one A. You might have been. Well, O'Neill was. I think O'Neill. O'Neil. We can say O'Neill, but it, it wasn't a big drop. Yeah. No, they had two good tackles and nobody on the interior line. He was and definitely their second best. Yeah. And Rashad Hill. He's a fi- Rashad Hill is a perfectly fine. Sw- number three tackle swing, tackle. perfectly good swing yeah. tackle. But the minute he becomes plan a, because Darisaw is hurt or not ready or some combination of both. And if you know, Wyatt Davis isn't practicing with the ones right now, if it's only Udo, you know, at the start of the year. Yeah. Uh, and it is, it is going to be, I think, I mean, unless something dramatic changes here in the next couple of weeks. I mean, he's not, it sort of seems like they're settling in on what it's going to be now, you know, injuries or whatever can change that. But I, I was one of those, maybe I'm just, I should, shouldn't be this naive, but I thought things were so bad that those, that those almost called them freshmen, uh, those rookies had a realistic chance to start on day one. And maybe that's, you know, maybe that was just foolish, naive of me, but I just, I thought even, even knowing there'd be growing pains and some learning curve with them, that it was going to be an upgrade from what they had last year and what they had on the roster. And it's not, not promising. I would say I, I would, I'm not optimistic about the line right now. Everything weird that's happened so far this year has been on the offense, not the defense. So we'll see. 
Mike Zimmer's going to have to win games like six to three. He's going to love it. I, well, I will say this. Yeah, he'll, he'd probably love it. I will say this. Their skill guys are still pretty darn good. They are. I mean, as long as Jefferson's healthy, they're, they're, yeah. Cousins, Cook, Irv Smith, Jefferson, Thielen. Yeah, they're, they're fine. I think the offensive line will be good enough to where those skill guys can, you're still going to score. But my expectations were if that line uh, was an upgrade, that this absolutely should be a top 10 scoring offense. I mean, he finished 11th last year, and, and you look at the guys they have, and I think Irv Smith's going to have a good year. It should be a top 10, but is that line going to be good enough to allow them to be a great offense and not just a pretty good one? I don't know. I, I just I think it, the jury's out still. Certainly not a narrative that played out in 2020 or 2018 or 2016. So, you know, we got, we got that going for us. It's never happened <laughs> except for three times in the last six seasons. So, <laughs> all right, man. Thanks. <laughs> Good stuff. Uh, follow Chip, uh, read his column, and uh, check for his work this weekend at the Vikings, and we'll have you back on soon. All right, man? Thanks, man. Good stuff from Chip, as always. I've been thinking a little bit more about Kaprizov and what, you know, the, the unlikely event that he doesn't come back here this year, that he does go play in Russia, and that something doesn't somehow get worked out long-term. And he, you know, it, it feels like the only comparison I could think of in my head was Stefan Marbury and how he pushed his way out of Minnesota. We just got a glimpse of how good that could be, and then he was gone. That's how it would feel if Kaprizov somehow, if this didn't get resolved. But like Chip and I talked about, I feel like that will get resolved. Let's run through a bunch of your questions to finish up the show here. Good one from uh, good one from at UC Mongo. You think Jax and Ober are the real deal for the Twins, as in starters the Twins can build around? Or are they flashes in the pan like Scott Diamond? Hadn't thought about Scott Diamond for a while. Um, you know, it's an interesting question. Both of them have pitched well lately. Bailey Ober, another good outing for the Twins. They beat the White Sox 1-0 um, on Wednesday. Took the series two games out of three. That's, you know, five out of seven against Houston and Chicago. Two good series wins. I mean, too little, too late for this season. But, you know, if you're just evaluating prospects, if you're trying to figure out what you've got going forward. You'd much rather win than lose. So at least some promising signs for the future there. As for those two specific pitchers, I'm not sure. I think we need a larger body of work for both of them. I think they've both, you know, got a chance. I think Ober in particular, his stuff has improved enough. Um, he's added some velocity to some, some of his pitches that he's more intriguing than he ever used to be. Um, but we need more time. I think the, the bigger thing is they've got a lot of guys now where they want to get a look at them. They've got a larger sampling to choose from as they try to pick out some of these young pitchers who might be able to help them in the future. And, you know, certainly those guys have pitched well lately. If they do it more, you know, down the stretch in these last six, seven, eight weeks, I'd feel better about 2022. But let's see another, you know, six or seven starts from both of them before we make any kind of final evaluation on that. At Tony V433, that's an interesting question. <clears throat> Obviously, in conjunction with the Field of Dreams game, which is tonight in Iowa. I've been to Field of Dreams before. It's pretty cool. Um, which site in a state without a baseball team would you like to see an MLB game at? And I don't know why. This is a total, this is a weird answer, and it doesn't even, you know, follow the guidelines, the guideposts that he set. Um, but I, I would, for some reason, my mind went straight to the Grand Canyon. And how I would just want, I would love to see a game at the Grand Canyon, whether it's like, whether it's like, you know, inside at the bottom of the Grand Canyon, I'm sure it'd be super hot, 
or if it was like kind of at the rim of the Grand Canyon and any home run or foul ball could like, you know, just go straight into this void. I don't know why well, I don't know why I thought of that, but as I tried to think of something else, my mind kept coming back to the Grand Canyon. So that is my answer. I am fully aware that there is a team in Arizona already. Um but that's that's my that's my final answer and I'm I'm sticking to it. At Colin Solberg wants to know are Twins page views down in line with the Twins TV ratings. Royce alluded to it earlier in the week. You know, I got to admit I haven't studied our page views for the Twins quite as closely. Um, good chance for me to promote. By the way, Dave St. Peter will be on tomorrow's show and we will talk about those Twins TV ratings that I had reported on earlier this week that are way down in 2021. I would just say, you know, in general. Um, you know, page views, interest in a team goes down when they don't play as well. And I'm sure there's probably been a hit to people reading StarTribune.com, StarTribune content about the Twins, because when they're losing, people just don't want to hear about it. They tune it out. Um, so I, w- I would say my hunch is yes. I don't know if it's as dramatic, though, as the TV ratings, because sometimes people do love to read about a train wreck. They like the controversy. They do. Um, that's that's a fact. Um Real Super Dave wants to know, is there a chance that on Saturday the Vikings crowd cheers for Teddy and then boos Kirk Cousins? This kind of gets back to my original uh, segment on how much people still love Teddy Bridgewater, the past, the present, the future. I think Teddy will absolutely get cheers um, when when uh, when he comes out on Saturday. Uh, I don't think Kirk will get booed, though. That would be pretty weird. I mean, I mean, unless there's still this lingering thought about Everything that's been happening with the with the vaccine talk, I don't think so though. There might be a smattering, there might be a little bit of of, of discontent, but I can't imagine somebody getting booed at a preseason game. Uh, Blake thirty one wants to know why doesn't MLB do a better job of marketing their star players? Can they ever get back to the eighties and nineties marketing? That's a great question. That's kind of their big problem, uh, one of their big problems, and you know part of it is just they just if they've fallen behind in in that standpoint. And I think they absolutely can do a better job. I don't know what the secret sauce is, though. They've, they've been trying and, you know, working at this. But, you know, basketball has really taken the lead in this marketing of stars. You can you the fans sit close. It's this cool thing that they, people can go and watch. And, you know, baseball just kind of has a distance between the stars and the fans. And I think it's more a function of the, the waning popularity of baseball than anything that MLB is specifically doing wrong with the marketing of players. Finally, uh, Pearl Rose wants to know, is a Minnesota sports team going to win a championship in my lifetime? Um, I don't know how old Pearl is. uh, Based on her profile picture, it looks like she is an adult at least. So in her lifetime, the Lynx have won four championships. So let's not discount that. But let's, let's say... We're talking about from this point forward. Is somebody going to win a championship in her lifetime? Yeah, I mean the law of averages just says yes, that will happen. I know in the you know in the major quote unquote major men's pro sports that we still talk about the original four, so to speak, of baseball, basketball, hockey, and football. Uh, they haven't played for a championship even in 30 years since the Twins won in '91. So it's hard. To be optimistic about that, I get it. But yes, it's going to happen. Pearl Rose and everybody else out there can't tell you when, can't tell you why, can't tell you who, can't tell you how, but it's going to happen. Like I said, Dave St. Peter on the show Friday. Looking forward to that. Got some good stuff coming up next week as well. Looking forward to hopefully talking to Joe Rossi, defensive coordinator for the Gophers football team. Thinking I might have Spencer Hall on the show too to talk some Gopher uh, Gopher football, some college football 
Uh, always enjoy catching up with Spencer. Does an awesome job. One of the funniest guys I know. So look, look for that next week. Thanks for joining me today. Be back at it on Friday.